If you would, turn with me to John chapter 17. And I'm just going to ask you, I do this ever so often, I'm going to ask you just to grab a physical copy of the Bible. Now, I made sure this morning that on every row we had three copies. And unless a child stole one and took it out, then we still have on each row three. So if you'll find just a copy of Scripture, pull it out. We want to look at a powerful verse here found in the Gospel according to John. So turn over there in the New Testament to the Gospel according to John, and we're going to look at really my life verse, uh, my favorite verse, a verse that defines everything that I am, and became real to me February 28th, 1999, around 8.30 at night when knowing Jesus became everything for me. Notice these words here as we look together at John 17 and verse 3. Now you'll do well to note, just context-wise, Jesus is praying His high priestly prayer. This is really one of the longest prayers we have in the Bible. And it is on that same night that He was betrayed, that He spent with His disciples, that He washed their feet, that He was arrested. Notice these words just found in this one verse in chapter 17 and verse 3. And this is eternal life, that they may know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Let us pray. Jesus, thank you for your holy word. It is holy because you are holy. We confess that we often are not holy because we've not been with you. Forgive us, we pray. And today, Lord, with this word, would you make us holy? By knowing you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What is the purpose of life? What's the meaning of life? This is a question that inevitably you've bumped into. Uh, If not in your Netflix watching, or your reading, or in your adolescent years, as an adult trying to understand why it is you spend so many hours working every week to come home and try to raise your children and spend a little time with your wife or husband and why and what's the meaning and where's this all going. Or maybe you've bumped into this question when tragedy has struck or misfortune has come. This question, this idea has been around for a long time. What is the meaning of life? What's the real purpose of life? You figure by now, I mean roughly 6,000 years at least of human history. Maybe we were here before then, but there's no history of that. No one was writing. No one was recording anything. 6,000 plus years, if you will, have, is there a consensus on this question? What is the meaning of life? What's the real purpose of not just one life, not just someone in a different country's life, but every single life? What is the meaning of it? Well, there's a lot of opinions on this, isn't it? We could entertain some of these opinions. We're not going to this morning. Many of you have opinions and thoughts on things. 
Some of them are good. Some are not so good. I'm an opinionated person, uh, but I have learned to restrain myself from voicing opinions a lot of times because I've been wrong. I don't really like to be wrong, so I hesitate before I just come back with an answer of something that I don't know or that might be an opinion. And I've also changed my mind. And growing up, my dad would always say wisely, all wise people change their mind. And that was often in response to, hey, we're going to go get ice cream later today, and now we're not. But nonetheless, wise people, he said, change their mind. And I've changed my mind quite a bit. My 26-year-old self thinks very differently than my 36-year-old self or my 16-year-old self or my 6-year-old self. And so you may say, well, you know... There are lots of opinions on this question of what is the meaning of life? What is the purpose of life? But you know, there are some things that don't change. There are some things that I'll never change my mind on. Not in a million years. No matter what you bring to me, I won't change my mind. I can already tell you, for instance, you can bring whatever you want to prove that my Dad isn't real, but I know he's real because I know him. Now you say, well, I don't, I don't see him. I've never met him. Maybe not, but I know and I have. And knowing a person is something that can't be undone. Unknown. You say, what's what's the point here? Well, the point is Jesus. (laughs) The purpose is Jesus. The meaning is Jesus. To say, it's real simple. The meaning of life, the purpose of life, of all of life and of your life is To know and love God. The aim of all of life is to know and love God. So starts the catechism of the Catholic Church. Which I reread often because I think that's the best way to start a teaching about the good news. Is to start with the idea that eternal life is knowing a person. The point is Jesus. He is the point of life. He is the echo you've heard in the distance. He is the architect of your amazing body. He conceived erotic love. And it's always fun to share that with children as they grow up. We're having to go through that now. That's always a fun thing. He's the maker of nature. All of its beauty. Pulling out in my truck just to move it around so I could pull it into the garage. I wasn't in the best of moods. 
I pulled back and I looked over and I saw this, you know, the sky was clear, it's blue, except for this massive cloud that probably went up into the air five to ten miles. Fluffy as all get out. White as snow. And I, I literally just stopped, it's in my driveway, backing up, not in a good mood, and immediately had a mood change because of the overwhelming beauty of a cloud that God made. Now I tried to take a picture and capture that, but the picture will never tell what happened in my heart when I saw that cloud. It was a sign from God. And if we'll stop to smell the roses ever so often, He'll drop us little signs all over the place, even in your backyard, even in your driveway. He likes His signs. He loves nature. He's the one who made it. And He loves mystery. He loves it. (laughs) Baptism, the Lord's Supper. He loves mystery. He gave us stories, something that we all enjoy. Everybody likes a good story. He gave us weekends, family, baby soft skin. Not anymore, but with a baby. He gave us comedians and laughter. We have a few of those in our family, or at least some wannabes. He gave us each other. (laughs) You see, Jesus is the point. His body is the church, the local church. And I'm so thankful for this church, for you. You have shaped me, my precious wife, my children. I thought I was planning a church to change lives, and my life has been changed because of you. You are a part of our story now, forever. No matter what happens. I hope to be telling my grandkids one day about you, about this body. It is the joy of my life to serve alongside of you, to win this city, this area, to Jesus, because Jesus is the point. And if we can rally together around that, not an opinion, not even a fact, but a person. A person that is on mission to tell others about the good news, then we've rallied around the right thing. There's no evidence that exists that can prove it otherwise When you've met Jesus, the risen Lord. People can say what they want to. They can pin books and write eloquent things on their blog about the non-existence of God, but it is foolishness to those of us who have met Him. He can't be unmet, unknown. You see, opinions are like noses. Everyone has one and none of them are real impressive. I mean, maybe you think yours is, but 
Not many other people do. You see, we're not dealing with opinion. Not even really dealing with fact. Imagine if I tried to relate with Jessica as if she were a fact. I'd be pretty bad. She wouldn't like that at all. That's impersonal. No, when you're dealing with people, you're not dealing with facts in a book. You're dealing with a person to be known. And eternal life is not about understanding more, but meeting the risen Lord. This book points to Jesus. The Old Testament prophetically looks forward to His coming. And the New Testament historically looks back to His coming and forward to a second coming when He'll come in glory and power, not as a lamb to be slain, but as a lion to judge. Interestingly, He actually comes back as a lion and a lamb. You can see both at the same time. Isn't that interesting? You see, persons are to be known and not just understood. If you had to understand people before you liked them or loved them, we'd all be in trouble, wouldn't we? I, you know, I, I still remember my, my, uh, my grandparents, Mima and Pappy, they, uh, you know, they were married for 60-something years before Pappy passed away. And uh, they would still get into arguments. I remember sitting in the van with them when I was uh, in college. I would go down there for food and get my clothes washed. And they got into an argument about the mirror. The mirror in the car. And I was thinking, 60 years and you still don't fully... Like you figure by now you'd have it down where you could just not even wake up and understand what they needed and wanted. But that's not the case with people, is it? We're unrepeatable, we're inexhaustible, and that's what makes people interesting. That's why you like to watch people sometimes. Everybody likes to do it every once in a while. Just watch people. It's fascinating. At an airport, just watch people. Not too long, though, please. They'll start watching back. (laughs) No, he's the point of your life. He's the point of my life. He's the point of everybody we watch watch their life. And what matters is not my opinion or your opinion or somebody else's opinion, but instead Jesus' opinion. What is his opinion of your relationship to him? What about to his bride, the church, his body, the church, to others? to your neighbors, the ones across the world and around the street? What about his opinion of your job and spouse and friends? The words you spoke this week? What was his opinion of your ride into church this morning? Your thoughts last night? Your media use? Your money? Your resources? His opinion matters far greater than any of ours. And what he calls us to is this, to know him. To know him. To know him. 
He wants us to know Him. He wants to be known. He's not hiding. If you feel like God is hiding, you may be at a special place in your life. Or maybe you're not seeking. What does Jesus think about your life? The purpose of your life. The meaning of your life. Have you asked Him? You should. You should do this often. As I said, you know, we... My 36-year-old self is not the same as my 16-year-old self. I have to ask a nude. Lord, what do you want a 36-year-old dude with five kids to be doing? What's the meaning and purpose of this week? The Scripture says this, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. That's a promise. In other words, his, we can think like God. Now, I mean, you know, you can study a philosopher and, you know, I've read some of the philosophers and I've read quite a few theologians and I can, I can think in some of their patterns. It, you know, it's not that hard once you start reading them. What if we started thinking in God's patterns? We can. This is what the scripture says we can do. When somebody gets angry at us, we don't have to lash back out. We don't. We can do like God does and just like we confessed earlier in our reading and be patient and kind. We can't know Jesus without knowing His mind, His opinions. Once you be around somebody for so long, you pick up on what they like, what they don't like. And it's the same way with spending time with Jesus. Here are some things that concern the mind of Christ. He has a very, very high opinion of these things. The first is is prayer. He prays all the time, he says. Continually making intercession for us. That means he's praying right now for us. Jesus is. The risen Lord. (laughs) It's a shame we don't know how to pray. Some of us. How to lead our family in prayer. Maybe unwilling to pray with our wife or husband. Unwilling to pray for others that we don't get along with. Our enemies. It's a shame we are not regularly modeling a life of prayer for those precious children that stood before us. You say, I don't know how to pray. Well, I I really don't either. (laughs) I just sort of do it. It's like somebody, how how did you know to get married and do all that? I, I just sort of did it. Sometimes you just have to start doing something and then you get better at it. We can sit around all day long and talk about we can't do it and this and that, but but we just have to start doing it. You want to learn to pray, then start praying. Don't go get a book. Look, I've got some great books. I mean, something I I would love to give you to learn how to pray. But the best way, just start praying. You'll learn to communicate with your friend or your spouse. Just start communicating. 
That's the best way to learn to communicate, not to read a book or take a class. That can be helpful when it has its place. But the best way is just to start praying and never, ever stop. God, help us not be nominal in our praying. Help us to be warriors in prayer. The second thing that is on the mind of Christ is this. The Holy Scriptures. And it's a crying shame that some of us don't love the Bible by now. You know, things you love, you spend time with. Right? You love to go out and do a hobby? You, you're going to spend, you're going to be looking up stuff online, maybe some new clubs or some new remote controls for your drone. I, I don't know what people, all people do. You're going to research it. You're going to know it. Because that helps you enjoy it. And you know what? If we really love the Bible, then we're going to research it. We're going to know it. Things you love, you invest in, you memorize, you hide it in your heart. You just do it. Why not the Bible? Isn't the Bible a holy book? A holy collection of books that God Himself breathed out by His Spirit by the prophets and the apostles. And if it is holy then why don't we treat it as such? I had the honor of, of doing that funeral for Miss Janice two weeks ago now. And I was given on the ride over to uh, the burial ground where we laid her in the ground. I had a chance to, or Jessica was handling it while I drove, but we had a chance to look through her Bible. It was a worn Bible. Now look, I, I know you can read the Bible on your app and stuff like that, but there, you know... She had written in her Bible notes of when I preached messages way back in 2004. I'm sitting here looking at my name by a scripture. You know how precious that was to know that this godly woman read her Bible. It was well-worn, well-written in, and then she handed that to her family as a treasure. And trust me, it'll go in that family as a heritage. Now, whether you're writing your Bible or not or whatever like that, I, but shouldn't we be known like her for having a Bible that's well-worn and not just a Netflix history that's well-watched? I think so. Read it, yes, feed on it. Let it be nourishment to your soul. Study to show yourself approved unto God. Put it in you. Don't just read to understand or read to read, but understand and read to do. For the Bible calls us to a certain kind of life. Remember from last week, we talked about the sin of omission, omitting things. We know we should be praying, we know we should be in the Word. Isn't it sin not to be regularly in God's Word, meditating on God's Word? Now say, look, I understand days get busy, whatever, but don't you have five minutes in your head to maybe think about something you read even yesterday? 
if you didn't get a chance to read today? I mean, are there really no verses in the Bible or chapters or passages that that you don't understand? Because trust me, I've got like a whole hopper full in my head that I just start working on when I have some time. Shouldn't we meditate upon the Word of God? Isn't the Word of God something worthy of our time? But some of us with our life would say, not worth my time. Now, you'd never say it out loud (laughs) anymore than I would. But aren't we saying it to Jesus when we don't hear from him? Let us not be a people, a church, where what we say and what we do are two different things. God, help us not to be nominal with our scripture reading and study and obeying. The third thing that's on Jesus' mind is sharing. It's a shame that some of us have been in the church so long and yet are unwilling to share the work that Jesus does in our lives. It may be because he's not at work. It may be because we've taken the title Christian but there's no real action in our heart for God. That's what we mean by nominal. We're in a series, nominal no more. I don't want to be nominal. Look, look, it's easy to be nominal. You just put it on cruise control. I've done it a million times. You've probably woke up and found yourself nominal all of a sudden. Just living it out in name only. Not in action. Praying. Reading, sharing. You'd be hard pressed to keep me silent about my baby girl. Blakely, every chance I get, I'm getting my phone showing strangers. Look at this girl. Look at all that hair. Look at them eyes. Look at that skin. Milky white skin. I bring her up on my own. People don't even have to ask about her. I bring her up because I'm excited about her. I love her. I think she's the most beautiful thing in the world. The other day she's sitting in my lap watching Beauty and the Beast. She doesn't care about Beauty and the Beast, but I'm about teared up thinking about dancing with her one day. Never did that with the boys for some reason. I guess because we were watching Power Rangers and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. But she's wrecked my life. She's changed me. Because I love her and I've let her in my heart. What about Jesus? Shouldn't his love wreck us? Shouldn't his love and work in our hearts be something that we just bring up on our own? Could I share this with you? Could I show you this? Could I tell you that? Look, I know, that, I know this is hard. I mean, this is hard for all of us to do the sharing thing. It's hard for me. I'm clergy and it's hard for me. But friends, we got to share what's going on in our hearts with somebody. Somehow. And again, same formula. The only way you're going to get better at sharing is to <laughs> start sharing.
God, help us not be nominal in our sharing. You say, boy, that's pretty tough. Yeah, well, I've got good news for you, and that is help is on the way. You see, Jesus wants us to be doing all three of those things. And he knows where we fail. He knows where I fail. And he's more willing to help than I'm willing to ask. But get this. Some people in the church have been asking for help for me. And I'm th- they told me this morning, I'm thanking Jesus for that. You know what? I'm asking God to help you during the week, even though you may not be asking for help. Because I know you need it. I know we all need it. (laughs) Dr. Kinlaw said, God has not forgotten you. He knows exactly who you are and exactly what your situation is. And he is sending you help. I believe that. I'm I'm thankful. I don't know where the help's going to come from. It comes from crazy places. That's the way God likes to do things. I I love that. Somebody's like, man, I'm a planner. That that messes me all up. That's all right. That's all right. He likes to plan, too. (laughs) He's planned this whole thing from beginning to end, if you like that. And yet it still is a surprise. Isn't that awesome? You see, you're better than that. You're better than what you've been giving. Now, some of you are, are great and grand, and you're, you're pressing forward and helping others, and you're doing, you're doing what you're called to do, and you can sit here and you can pray for the ones who are not. But for some of us who are still not there, God is ready to help if we'll ask. And He knows we're better than that. We're more gifted than that. The phone is ringing. He is calling. He's calling you out, me out, away from the table to no longer be a baby Christian and instead to be mature in the faith. Whoops. Instead of pulling up to the table like a baby and putting a bib on and saying, feed me. Dun, 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 dun. You know how they bang on the... At least my people do. Feed me! Feed me! And then we're ready to go. Instead of that, what if... What if we became servants of one another? And we bowed down to serve one another. What would that look like in a church? Just on your own initiative. Just you and the Spirit. I love what Acts said. It seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit. Not us and a committee. Not us and a board. Not us and a bishop or a pastor. It seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit. (laughs) The Holy Spirit wants us all to be at work with Him in the world. Not with me, with Him. And I don't know what that looks like for you. I really don't. I have no clue. But that's, that's part of the joy and craziness of, of pastoring a church is I don't know what He's going to call you. I don't know your full potential. I don't know even what all He's going to have me to do. But you know what? We're here together now. 
So let's work together now. Let's not be nominal in name only, but instead let us believe that He has something great for us and walk in that belief. For faith comes from hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ. And He said to them, God is... Sorry, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. And as you go, another place in Mark, preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Luke, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose, Jesus says. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. Paul then says, Until I come, give attention to the public reading of Scripture to exhortation and to teaching. Friends, this is what we've been doing this morning. Been preaching. And I know it's not the best, but never said it had to be the best. Just said it had to be done. And it's done. Now it's time to start responding. Because the response is this, to say yes to Jesus. Yes, Lord, I want to know you. I want eternal life, and eternal life is knowing you. And how do we know you? Pray. How do we know you? Read the scriptures. Put it in you. Do it. How do we know you, Lord? It's when two or three are gathered and we share. We share what God has been doing in our hearts. The purpose of life is to know and love God. Let us be about that. Let us be about the saving of souls and the pointing of others to that purpose. Amen.